For a long time, I wanted to have him back. I just wanted him back. But I realized one day how how selfish that was of me to want that because he's in a perfect place with a perfect God who loves him more than I possibly ever could. Welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light all around us in all seasons of life. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family and join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our merch and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes every Monday and Thursday. Today, our guest is Elizabeth Myers. She's a Christian author, blogger, and speaker who's passionate about sharing truths in a way that people can understand. Her story and testimony is moving. Her son died several years ago, and she suffered from depression and anxiety, but found God's strength in the midst of life's struggles. She's offering a free book to our listeners. It's called Undefeated, From Trial to Triumph, and we'll talk about that too. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for being on Positively Joy. Well, I'm really happy that you're here. And um, I want to tell our audience a little bit about you. You are a Christian author, blogger, and a speaker who's passionate about sharing truth in a way that people can understand. And your truth, or part of it, is sharing the story of when your son died and getting through depression and anxiety. But first, I'd like to get to know you. Tell me about your family and the foundation of your Christian faith. Uh, yes, we are a military family. My husband is a fighter pilot, and we have eight children in addition to our bonus son in heaven. So they are ranging in age from eight to 22, and we homeschool. Um, I, my background is I came from a Christian family, but I didn't really get it, you know, as a child. Most of us probably don't. Um, so it really wasn't until college that I started really deliberately walking with the Lord and really owning my faith as my own. Um, and I, you know, I had several years of growth then and thought that life was chugging along pretty good. Um, and, and then I experienced the loss of my son and that really rocked my faith and really shook me up to the core. And I kind of had to, to start over again in some ways and really just go back to the basics of who God is and what is he doing in my life. Mm. So, you, so you have a pretty big family. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, how old was your son um, when he passed? Well, he was, I was still pregnant. It was in the second trimester. And um, he was unexpectedly born while we were on vacation at my parents' house. And he had already passed away by the time his body was delivered. But um, it was just a shocker and just very traumatic the whole way that all of that unfolded. Um, you know, being able to see him and hold him and, you know, he just fit in the palm of my hand. And then, um, there was kind of the added, um, element of the medical community that, um, helped me afterward, you know, after his death, we went to the emergency room, but, um, they were very reluctant to acknowledge that a, a life or a child had even ever existed. Um, they referred to him as the products of conception they refused to acknowledge him as a human or, and because of his young age, um, you know, there was no de- death certificate. They wouldn't let me have his body back. I wasn't able to have any sort of burial or um, any kind of service for him. So that just really got me more stuck in a place of grief 
Um, our culture doesn't really know how to grieve children that are lost before they're born. And I just really went to a bad place and slid down, slid down into depression. Uh, I wrestled with anxiety. I really struggled with a lot of doubts and questions about God and suffering. And where is he in the midst of all of this? Mm. Acknowledging infant loss is so important. And of course, October is yes. infant loss month. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sorry that you had to go no, through that. You. I'm wondering about your support system. And I'm sorry if I'm asking a lot of very personal no, questions fine. because I, I am. Yeah. No, that's my um, story. But, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um, did you have other children at that time? Was mm-hmm. he the first? I'm just wondering yeah. like he how was, in the family. He was our sixth. So we had five younger ones and they're all okay. about like two years apart. So our oldest was eight years old um, down mm. to just the little toddler. <laughs> and this was a lot for you to go through, but what kind of impact did it have on the family? Yeah, it was hard because it, what I eventually learned like many years later um, is the priority of self-care. For me as a mom, I was always taking care of everyone else. Excuse me. During this period of time, I I wasn't really able to take care of myself. I didn't really uh, put my needs first. And so I really just wore down and got to the point where, you know, I broke down. And um, so putting myself first, not in a selfish or prideful way, but in a way of I need to put on my oxygen mask before I can help my family. I need to to take care of my needs before I can serve God and serve the needs of others. That has been a real big priority, a real adjustment in my life. And as a mom, I can imagine that was maybe one of the hardest things for you to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. I really struggled early on. Um, I kind of had this dichotomy of things going on because I, after my son passed away, like a week later, I hemorrhaged really bad. I lost a lot of blood. I had to have surgery. So I was really anemic and weak. But then I was also like struggling with this. I was drowning in grief and I didn't know what to do. And I felt like in order to heal physically, I really just needed to stay in bed and kind of rest, you know, and and take care of myself. But that would just, my mind would just go crazy with me and I would just get into really bad places thinking. And to heal emotionally and mentally, I felt like I need to get up and re-engage with my family and my children and my life. You know, we're homeschooling and um, all these kinds of things, but that was just really draining on me physically. So it's kind of a catch 22 of it's hard to, hard to heal, you know, in these contradictory ways. So that's actually a big part of my message now is the physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, all these different avenues. They're all very interrelated and interconnected. And there are deliberate things that we can do to grow strength and resiliency in all of those areas that kind of work together synergistically. Mm. And you say that hiding hurt never brings healing. Mm-hmm. And so tell me what you meant by that. And how did you go forward after this, after this grief to get to the place where you are today? Yeah. So initially I, I kind of tried to get help. You know, I, I said, I don't, I don't feel right. Something's, you know, something's off. Um, even several months afterwards, I still was just really, really exhausted And, you know, so I went to the doctor, I'm like, something's not right. I feel bad. And they did blood tests and they're like, oh, you're fine. You know, your, your blood levels are good. And I'm like, but I'm not fine. (laughs) Something's wrong. So anyway, I, early on, I tried to get help, but I kind of got rebuffed a little, like, "Eh, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, one in four women have uh, situations where they lose babies or have miscarriages. And so it's no big deal. Just pick up and move on. You know, there's just kind of this expectation of you're just supposed to get over it. 
And so let me stop you for yeah. a second. The doctor tells you, or the medical professional mm-hmm. tells you one in four women lose their children. It's no big deal. Yeah. One in four women. That's a <laughs> lot know. of people. I know. And we never really talk about it. You know, I, I'm, that's one reason I'm glad that October is a month where we can sort of highlight that because it is a, a common thing that many women share, but I had never spoken to anyone about it prior to my experience. And it's just, I didn't know what to do. I had never heard another woman's story. I, there were decisions I had to make that day that I was not prepared to make. And, um, it, I really just feel like we need to be more open about these sorts of things and, and encourage each other and come alongside one another. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Um, I I had a chance to interview another uh, young woman just this month, uh, the podcaster for the weed seeds and beautiful things podcast. And she experienced this. And um, like you said, probably a lot of women that we know, but we don't know because we don't talk about it, but I appreciate you and her and the people who are coming forward to talk about it because it is really important. Mm-hmm. So you were rebuffed by, you know, medicine. Yeah. Um, so what did you do? Well, next? I was pretty much told to move on. So I, I tried to, you know, I so I went through five years living with untreated depression where I was really just faking it. You know, I put on mm-hmm. a smile. We mm-hmm. had three more babies and three more military moves and life was busy and things were happening. And um I, I didn't even, I don't think I was fully aware how much I was just kind of faking it and how much I was keeping people at a distance because I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. You know, even now people will, will come to me and say, well, why didn't you tell me how bad you were hurting? And I'm like, I don't know. Part of it was a pride issue. I know because I feel like, you know, Christians are supposed to be joyful and full of peace. And here I am depressed and anxious. What does that say about me as a Christian? You know, am I am I a bad Christian? Am I failing? Does God hate me? You know, I, I wrestled with all these things and I just didn't really know what to do with all of that. And so I hid a lot of those things. I hid the doubts that I had about God because it felt scary to me. Um, and I didn't know where where is it safe to ask these questions that I have about God and where is he in my suffering and things like this. So, uh, but I just realized that, that hiding and stuffing and faking, none of that leads to healing. It's just like an infected wound that you just kind of cover over. It's not going to get better. You, you know, you have to lance it open and get the gunk out. And it wasn't until I did that, that, that true healing could start. I had to first get honest with myself and get honest with God and realize he is big enough to handle our doubts and our questions and our struggles. And he doesn't want us to like, stuff those and and turn away from him, which is kind of what I did, but he wants us to get those things out. He wants us to process, process that with him in his presence to go through these things. And if you read in the Psalms, I mean, they're just full of examples of that where people were just really honest and raw with God and their suffering. And that's biblical. That's, that's okay. We can do that. But it took me a long time to learn that. Mm. So now, so what did it look like? Did you go to support groups um, find women to talk to, or did you go straight to God through prayer? So I decided um, that I was going to get help on all four of these areas because I couldn't tell what my root problem was. <laughs> you know, am I <laughs> exhausted because I'm depressed or am I depressed because I'm so tired that I can't do anything and I'm demotivated? Or is it all a, a spiritual mess because I'm angry with God and, you know, I've stopped doing my quiet time in the morning or whatever. So I just decided I'm going to make baby steps in progress in all these areas. So I did it all. I went to my pastor and his wife and got prayer, got help. They were so gracious and embracing. I restarted my quiet times with God in the morning. And through that searching of the scriptures is really where that was the birthplace of the book. You know, I was 
three quarters of the way through journaling what I was what I was learning from God in the morning. And that's what I'm I think I'm writing a book that might help other people who are struggling. Um, but I, I did, I got professional Christian counseling. I um, spoke with my doctor who, she believed me. She understood. She had dealt with postpartum depression herself. And so she was very gracious. I got on an antidepressant medication that was safe for, I was still nursing my youngest. And um, that, I, I've heard so many sermons where they say a pill won't fix it. And that's true. And, and I understand where they're coming from. But for me personally, the medication gave me just enough boost to where I could function enough to do all the other things I needed to do to take, to take care mm. of myself. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the biggest changes I think was just mentally, just recognizing just because I have a thought doesn't mean it's true. And it doesn't mean that it has to stay that I'm the gatekeeper and I can say to that thought or to the source behind that thought, no, that's not true. That's not what God's word says. So I think I was kind of looking for reasons to believe that God didn't care about me or that he was against me, you know, and when you, whatever you seek is what you'll find. So I was seeking, so true. Yeah, so I was true. seeking negative things and I was finding all these reasons of why God didn't care about me. Um, but when you flip that around and when you go, okay, God is good and he does love me. And I do believe his word in spite of everything I've been through. And when you seek to find his blessings, you just see it like they were there all the time. And you, you know, mm -hmm. I hadn't seen it because I, I kind of compare it to wearing like a dark colored sunglasses, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah. so it just changed my whole perspective. So it was just baby steps in all of those areas. And that's really what my second book is about. It's, it's coming out at the beginning of 2021. Um, I'm finishing that up now, but it's more the practical steps of, you know, what I do still on a daily basis to kind of build strength in those areas. And I think that strengthens our resiliency so that we can overcome adversity when it happens. But more importantly, you know, we want to live our purpose, right? Everybody wants to do that thing that we were made to do. And we can't do that when we're stuck in our own pain, when we're, when we're wow. left in our own brokenness, you know, but I think it's through our brokenness that the light of God shines. So we need to go to him for the healing and then be able to go back. And I, I call it mining the pain, you know, to look for for those truths and those lessons learned and those, those things that were born out of those heartbreaking times of life that we can share with others. And that place, that deep place of our pain is often the fertile ground for where our greatest ministry can come from, our greatest impact for others. And um, so just putting that whole different perspective on seeing our struggles through the much bigger picture of the way God sees them has been so, so very helpful to me. So you were really living the scripture that says, and I'm paraphrasing, that, you know, in our grief, in, you know, we find his strength mm -hmm. and there he is. Mm -hmm. um, and I love when you said that we are the gatekeeper. You know, we ourselves can choose those messages to take in and to keep out. And I'm always talking about choosing joy, you know, on this podcast. And I, I think that's a very real thing. Um, I think a lot of people live life, life happens to you. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we have to be intentional about, about a lot of things. And I think um, I think that's one yeah. of them. And so you live that out too. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I, I think that you hit it. You know, it's just being deliberate about what I'm doing and, you know, who I want to believe and who I want to follow, that I want to follow Jesus and not the enemy or the ways of the world. The, my first book, Undefeated, mm -hmm. is about we feel defeated when we don't acknowledge the true nature of the battle that we're in. 
it's really not a battle against other people or a different political party or a different kind of person or a different situation that we're dealing with or a financial trouble or a disease or a pandemic. That's not our real enemy. We are actually battling against the forces of darkness and of the forces of evil in this world. And other battles that we try to fight are really just a distraction. That's just the devil getting us distracted fighting with each other so that we won't join forces and fight against him. And um, so that is kind of amen, a whole amen. paradigm changing thing. Yeah. And I think that's really important message that our world needs to hear right now because we are so busy yes. fighting over petty things when we really just need to get together and link up arms and, and go against the things that are evil and not make up things that we shouldn't be arguing about. 100%. I so, so agree. Now, I know prayer is very important mm -hmm. to you. Let's talk about yeah. that for a minute. So um, once you were strong enough just to be able to to get back your quiet time and to spend time in the word, um, how do you think that helped you? That was really, I think, the primary thing that made everything else possible. Um, and like I said, that was really kind of the birthplace of all the other ideas and the things that I, all this, all the things about mindset that I share and I teach on now all came from reading God's word, you know, about don't conform to this world, you know, be transformed. And it's by renewing your mind and it's by taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. You know, all that was in the scripture. And, you know, I've, I've pulled that out and go, well, how do I live this? How do I do this? Um, but for me, prayer and scripture reading are really intertwined. You know, as I pray, I pray scripture. And as I read, I pray about what I'm reading about. Um, and so they all kind of flow together. But several years ago, even before this all happened, I just really kind of felt like my prayer time was shallow. It felt like a gimme, gimme, gimme list. Like it was more like a Christmas wish list than like I was talking to my creator. And so I'm just like, Lord, how do I pray? And and he directed me towards where the disciples asked Jesus the very same question. Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And um, so I just started examining that as a model. You know, I know the words. I can rattle off the words, but it's almost to the point where they don't really, it's very difficult for me to stop and think of what they actually mean because it is so rote and I can just say it so fast <laughs> that it's on autopilot and, and my brain doesn't have time to absorb what am I really saying. So I just really picked it apart one phrase at a time and looked up other scriptures that talk about those various things. And I'm a bit of a research nerd. So over the course of, I don't know, a couple of years, I think just start and adding scriptures to it, I expanded this thing to like a hundred page word document. <laughs> <laughs> I went nuts. And then um, I'm like, you know, this, it helped enrich my prayer time so much. Cause now I'm not just saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. It starts and ends with praise. And, you know, it talks about yes. the names of God and of Jesus and how holy they are. It, I love how the language of it is all us give us our daily bread. It's all about community. It's not about me, 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 me. It's about the world, about God's kingdom and, and forgiveness of one another. And it's just so rich. So I decided oh, I want to share this, but who's going to want to read a hundred page document you know, nobody but me. <laughs> so I shrunk it down to like a 20 page PDF and that's free on my website. Now it's elizabethmyers.me and you can go download. It says freebies, get the prayer guide. And um, so you can get that there, but that's the same thing that I use every day. I've actually, I have it right here. I've made it into a big old notebook with all kinds of stuff, yes. but I just go down, um, you know, through each phrase and really just let each one sink in. And it's great. It, you can 
it's kind of like an accordion, you know, you can expand it or shrink it as much. So you can expand it out to easily fill out an hour of prayer time if you have that much time. Um, if you don't, even just five minutes, you know, you can you can spend several seconds on each thought and actually absorb what it's really saying. Um, and it's, you know, I, because I do have it memorized, I have that pattern memorized. So even if I'm out somewhere else and I don't have my little cheat sheet notes that I have, I can remember the next phrase and and pray on my own if I'm out walking or if I'm on vacation or if I'm stuck somewhere and I didn't bring a book, <laughs> you know, I can just pray wherever I am. So it's been very, very helpful to me, totally redefined um, the way that I pray, which has really enriched my relationship with God. It feels more like a two-way conversation now and just a really intimate time together. So it's been really helpful to me. Mm, I love that. And I know that there's some people who are, who are listening who are saying, an hour? I don't even yeah. know what I'd say in right. an hour. So I like the fact that this is some guidance, you know, and then other people might say, oh, I do an hour every day mm -hmm. or whatever. But yeah, no, I love that. So since we're talking about scripture, uh, is there a scripture that you like to stand on? Yeah, there's so many, so many good ones. <laughs> and it's, hard, it's like, <laughs> well, pick your, pick your favorite child, you know, but one that I keep coming back to is um, Hebrews 4.16, where it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I just love mm. how, even though God is so infinite and so almighty because of Jesus, we have a way to just go right into the throne room, you know? And I, I always mm -hmm. think of the story of um, Esther, where she wanted to go visit the king who was her husband. And she was afraid because if he didn't hand out the golden scepter, then she was going to be killed. And even she, she mm -hmm. was afraid to go see her earthly husband, even as a king. But we don't have to fear God when we come before him. We can just boldly, confidently approach his throne of grace because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we can say, God, I need help. And he's, he's promised <laughs> to give us help and give us mercy and grace in our time of need, which whether we know it or not, we are always in need. Even on the days when we feel like we got it, we don't. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. I agree with you. And I love that. And it reminds me of something that a friend said the other day, that when you pray, pray from the victory, not for mm, the victory. Like so that. it's that confidence, yeah, that you can go into and you know he's such a good, good father and that you, you know, when you're when you're asking from a place of humility, then he, you know, he will give it to mm -hmm. you. Of course, how he answers prayer is certainly it's different for everybody. Yes. And sometimes we don't, I like to say, we don't have that million mile high mm -hmm. picture of how things work. And so I, sometimes I know we don't understand what happens yeah. um, in our lives when we ask for something and maybe we don't get it, mm -hmm. but. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I love that. Yeah. Well, I think that's um, part of the faith and the trust is we bring our request to him, but then we trust him to do whatever's best with it. And, you know, I went through this whole time of like, why is this happening to me? And, you know, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to obey God and whatever, but I, I finally came to the place where two things, one, I decided I don't want a God that I can understand. I tried to understand God. I don't want a God I can understand. I want a God that I can trust even when I don't understand because any God that's small enough for my little finite brain to get a hold of is not really worthy of my worship anyway, for one. Mm -hmm. And for two, I realized that if I had all the, the data that God has, if I had the infinite knowledge, and if I had the 100% pure motives, at the end of the day, I would choose the same thing for me that he chose for me. The right. reason my will is different than his sometimes is because I don't have all the facts and my motives aren't always good. You know, I don't have the, like you said, the bigger picture. 
Um, and so that's why I get it wrong sometimes when I think, well, God, you should be doing this. Well, no, he's, <laughs> he's better than me and smarter than me in every way. And I, it just uh -huh. comes down to, I need to trust him. Mm. So you probably are going to answer this question with, oh, there's so many times, but, um, can you, can you picture a particular time when you were just completely overwhelmed by God's love? Yeah, you're right. There's like a lot of times. <laughs> um, okay, so the first one that just popped into my head is kind of probably not the one you would expect, um, but this had an impact on me early on in my in my walk when I was trying to walk closely with Jesus, and it was uh, while I was away at college. Actually, I had I had this uh, little dog at home. He was a little Maltese dog, and I loved him dearly, but he was a little toot, and he would bite everybody. <laughs> Everybody hated it but me. And um, my, I, you know, I, I'm away. I was, I went to the Air Force Academy. So it was like, I could only call my parents like once a week or whatever. And so I found out that he was sick and he wasn't doing well. And I remember I just ran to my bed and I just sobbed. And what was so heartbreaking to me was that my dog was going to die alone because yeah. I was the only one that cared for him and I wasn't there. And it just broke my heart. And I don't remember even specifically praying but I just remember, you know, weeping with this broken heart. So my parents didn't say any more about it, but when they came out for parents weekend later, um, you know, in person, they, they mm -hmm. told me that they did have to eventually put him down because he was just not in a good place. And my dad had taken him to the vet and you know, my dad did not like this dog, but of course he loves me. Mm -hmm. So he was just going to like hand the dog over to the vet and say, take care of it. And, you know, I'm out of here. But when he walked in, he, he, he just couldn't, he's like, I have to go be with the dog. And so he held my dog while he passed away. And when I heard that, I mean, you know, kudos to my dad and I love him, but, but more bigger yeah. than that, you know, my heavenly father of, yes. I had this heart's desire that I don't even remember specifically praying. And there's, I did not communicate it with any human being. But God cared for me in that tender way by caring for my dog. Um, it, it, that just overwhelmed me that that he was so personal and so intimate mm -hmm. and even just the smallest thing, you know, where it talks about, you know, a sparrow won't fall to the ground and I don't know about it. And, and just that he cared in that moment because he cared for me. It just really spoke to me about how much God cared for me personally as an individual. Uh, yes, God mm -hmm. so loved the world but God also just loves me and whatever is important to me is important to him because he cares. And so, you know, there's been a lot, like you said, a lot of times like that, but I think that was one of the early ones on that, that really just stuck in my head of just being overwhelmed with how much he cares for me as an individual. Mm -hmm. And that's such a great example because, and that's why I like to ask that question because you just don't know mm -hmm. the, the smallest things. And, and I'm a, I'm a huge dog lover I've had to, to have some put down. I'm the person that's on the floor crying mm -hmm. as they're putting them. I mean, I'm yeah. the whole thing yeah. just sobbing. Right. Yeah. So I understand exactly how you felt. And that may be small to somebody, but it is not small mm -hmm. to our heavenly father. Yeah. No, so I, yeah, I, I love that you picked that example because you could have easily picked one about your, about, you know, coming out of the grief. Mm -hmm. And so, no, that was, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for sharing yeah. that. That's a sweet one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And an important one. I love this. Well, I have enjoyed talking to you mm -hmm. so much. Um, tell everybody one more time where they can get the download of your book. Uh, yes, it's elizabethmyers.me 
slash free book, and you can download a PDF version of my book, Undefeated from Trial to Triumph. Um, I just, I want to get this message of hope out to as many people as possible. So I don't want money to be a barrier. So, uh, that's a, an easy way for me to just give that away of the, these lessons that God has shared with me that I've learned. I felt like he said to me, don't hoard it. You know, he doesn't, he blesses us to bless us, but not just to bless us. He blesses us so that we can bless others. So I'd like to, to bless you with that free gift. And I hope that you'll take advantage of that. Oh, lovely, lovely. And if there's someone listening right now who has uh, either just lost a child or has been suffering with the loss of a child, um, what message do you have for that person? I, the first that has been so comforting to me is where God calls the little children to come to him. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is made of such as these. And I, there's so much that I don't know about the mysteries of God and the mysteries of heaven and all these different things. But I know that God is good and I know that he holds our children and that he loves them and that there is some ultimate purpose in all of this. Um, like I said earlier, my my greatest ministry has come out of that pain, you know, and I sometimes I, I think, well, you know, if, if I could control it all, would I give up Timothy, then, you know, or would I would I hang on to him or whatever? And I for a long time, I wanted to have him back. I just wanted him back. But I realized one day how how selfish that was of me to want that because he's in a perfect place with a perfect God who loves him more than I possibly ever could. And all of his needs are met. He knows no sin. He hasn't been hurt by anyone. He has no baggage. He's just this pure soul in the presence of Jesus. And that to me just gives me such peace and such comfort to know that he is cared for far better than I ever could. You know, early on, I just had this desire of I'm his mama and I want to be wherever my baby is. Um, but just realizing how well he is taken care of right now gives me peace. And then knowing that because I know Jesus, I'll get to see him again someday soon. Well, it doesn't feel soon now, but it, it will at the time. Um, you know, that just gives me hope. And I, Prior to this, to be honest, I wasn't like too hyped up about heaven. It kind of sounded boring to me. And I was kind of like, no, I got stuff I want to do here on earth. You know, <laughs> I don't want to go to heaven. But um, this has just changed my perspective. You know, heaven is just such a sweeter place to me now because my son lives there with Jesus. Um, I read a really neat poem and I, I can't remember the author of it, but it was about sheep. And the shepherd was trying to lead the sheep over this stream to get to this better pasture and the sheep wouldn't come, you know, they wouldn't trust him. So the shepherd picked up one of the baby lambs and took it across the river. And the mom waded through the river to get to her baby lamb. And then the other sheep followed her. And mm -hmm. so just how, you know, the metaphor was how Jesus was leading the flock by, by taking the child so the mother would follow. So mm -hmm. uh, that is a really long answer. <laughs> to your simple question. But no, listen, listen. <laughs> we can, we can hear your love. How, how long ago has this been? It's been 13 years. Yeah. I yeah. So we can, we can hear the love mm -hmm. in your voice. No, trust me. And also the trust you are trusting that Jesus is taking care of your mm -hmm. baby and you will see him again. Yeah. And so we can hear that. We can hear that completely in your mm -hmm. voice. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being open and sharing with us today. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, um, 
my love to your family and I know that you are going to bless a lot of people out there well thank you I appreciate you having me on it's been so great talking to you and and I've enjoyed listening to your show I've been listening to several episodes and it's just a neat ray of joy and of hope and of positivity out there when there's so many negative things that we could be listening to right now I'm glad that we have voices like yours you've been listening to positively joy I'm your host Yvette Walker and thank you so much for spending some time with us Come on over to our website, PositivelyJoy.com. You can listen to past episodes. You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy. See our merchandise, cool t-shirts with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.